Currently, he has finished his fourth year of diaconate formation for the Arch Eparchy of Pittsburgh, as we call it, the Archieparchy. The Arch Eparchy of Pittsburgh, uh, the Byzantine Catholic uh, Church. He actually serves uh, at a Melkite parish uh, in uh, uh, Birmingham. Is that right, Robert? In Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, for those who may know some of the lore, the, the Byzantine lore, this was the parish that was founded by uh, the late uh, Archbishop Joseph Raya, who was at the time Father Joseph Raya, uh, who is the author of the wonderful book, The Face of God. Uh, Father Joseph Raya, just as a, a, as a quick anecdote, uh, was also the priest that started the Eastern Catholic Club at the seminary down in Alabama that my father attended. Uh, my father is now a deacon in the, in the Ukrainian church, uh, but he was a seminarian. He got to meet uh, Father Joseph down in Alabama and also visited that wonderful parish where Robert serves uh, and along with his family. Uh, he holds an MA in Systematic Theology from Sacred Heart, major seminary in Detroit. Uh, he's completed some doctoral work on the Christian anthropology of Pope St. John Paul II. He taught theology for five years at a Catholic high school in Michigan and spent three years in curriculum design and product management with Verbum. Uh, Verbum, if you, uh, if you aren't aware, is a wonderful tool. It's an online tool that teaches people how to read and interpret the scriptures. And so uh, he was very much a part of that uh, project. Uh, but now EWTN captured him down there in, in Alabama, and, and we're grateful that he's here with us today. Uh, in his spare time, he enjoys reading, grilling, cigars, fine beverages, and providing hospitality to good friends. And so uh, we're going to welcome Robert. He's, his first talk uh, today is going to be on the creation and mission of the holy angels. So welcome, Robert. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, everybody. Can you all hear me? Yes. Excellent. Well, before I begin, um, I'd like to pray with everyone. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And we'll say together the angelic salutation. Hail Virgin and Theotokos, Mary full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. For thou hast borne Christ, the Savior and the Redeemer of our souls. And I also call on our guardian angels and all the heavenly hosts to assist us in our time together today with their protection, their inspiration, and their never-failing help. Um, so we call on all of our guardian angels, especially the Holy Archangel Michael. We entrust our time together to our Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I ask him uh, through his Holy Spirit to give me the words uh, to say for the edification of all and for our mutual growth in grace. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for being here. This is an immensely impressive event. Um, when Father Daniel invited me, um, I, I'd never... You know, been uh, at, a, at an event like this. Um, I've been in on, on personal pilgrimages and things like that, but something like this so dedicated to the Mother of God, Our Lady of Perpetual Help, with that focus on the Holy Angels um, at this beautiful shrine. I am so in love with this place. Um, seeing its beauty and the fervor of the faithful gathered here and the beautiful liturgies, um, this is, it's, it's really feeling like a spiritual home for me. So I'm grateful for Father Daniel for the, the invitation. Um, I'm also, I also had a, a wonderful blessing uh, to meet up with my, my pastor, Father Michael Mandelis, uh, my former pastor. We lived up in Bellingham, Washington when we lived here, uh, and it's been a tremendous blessing 
to me to, to see Father Michael again, uh, to see our, our, our wonderful, wonderful monastics, uh, spending time with the, the beautiful nuns at Holy Theophany. Um, it's really been a great grace to me. So I, I'd like to start by just saying thank you. Thank you to Father Daniel and thank, thank you to all of you for making this pilgrimage uh, so wonderful and spiritually rich. Um, now that being said, um, I do have to confess, um, kind of, I have a problem uh, that I really entrusted this pilgrimage to help me with. Um, and that problem was, I've always had difficulty in my spiritual life integrating the holy angels into my regular daily uh, spirituality, my regular daily prayer. Um, I, I've known from when I was very little, we had images of our guardian angels. Usually that one, the guardian angel helping the two little kids across the bridge. You know, I, we've all seen that image. Um, and that's what I knew about them. I knew that the angels were protectors. They were there to, to help and protect me. Um, and really to, you know, keep bad dreams away when I was going to sleep. And that's really all I knew about them. Um, it's difficult, the holy angels, to, to really understand who they are and their work because they are intangible. They are the bodiless powers of heaven. They're numerous, and yet we don't see them. We don't see them at work in our midst. Right? So we have to rely on scripture and the uh, holy tradition to tell us more about the work of the holy angels. So I'll be going through a little bit of that today, but really my goal for this first talk is to introduce how to make the holy angels a little bit more tangible to us so that it's easier for us to integrate them into our daily spiritual lives. You know, it, it can be, it's, at least for me, when I meditate on the life of our Lord, right? Jesus is a real figure to me. He's real just like you are all real to me. Because he took on our human flesh, right? He took, he became incarnate of the Holy Theotokos. He took on our pain, he took on our sorrow, he took on our struggles, he took on everything it means to be human. And when you read the four Gospels, Jesus is very tangible. He's right there, he's popping off the page. And so it's easy for us to resonate with our Lord. Because he endured everything that it means to be human. And so at least in my own spiritual life, you know, especially in our, our Eastern tradition, trying to learn and to pray the Jesus prayer, um, engaging with scripture on a, you know, on a daily basis, I really try to get to know our Lord and, and put him front and center in my life. And I, I've, I found that to be easier than integrating the holy angels. The saints as well, Right? Those blessed men and women who were real flesh and blood and bone and sinners just like you and me who struggled in their asceticism to become holy and you read their lives and they pop off the page. And it's beautiful. It's wonderful. The lives of the saints, how impactful they can be. Um, in my own life for my family, we have a particular devotion to St. Anne, the, grand, the grandmother of Jesus. Right, the mother of the Theotokos. Uh, my wife and I, uh, for our first pilgrimage that we did as a married couple, we went up to the shrine of St. Anne de Beaupre in Quebec. Um, beautiful. And their story is beautiful, too. You know, that story of, of faithfulness, and yet they struggled to conceive. Right, And then through prayer and through that, that asceticism and offering their sorrow to God, 
they conceive the, the mother of all life, right, the, the Theotokos. It's a beautiful story. Um, it's beautiful also in our iconographic tradition. All the icons of St. Anne and Joachim, beautiful. Um, when we lived in, in Washington, um, my fourth son, whose name is Gregory, uh, he was born at University of Washington Medical Center. He was born at, at 23 weeks gestation. So he was our little preemie baby. Um, and he also was born with a heart defect. And he wasn't expected to survive. Um, but through prayer, and especially we entrusted his health to Blessed Solanus Casey, who my wife and I learned about when we lived in Detroit. And there's also a Solanus Casey Center in Seattle. And learning about his life and visiting his monastery and getting to know, you know, that, that humble friar who helped so many people um, really resonated with us as a family, right? And I, I truly believe that through his intercession, my little boy is now six years old and he's the happiest guy in the world. He's, it's so, such a blessing. Um, he's, he's taught me so much about joy and that's, that's a gift of God. You know, people who are joyful naturally are a gift from God. They really are. When I picked up uh, some of the writings of St. Theophon the Recluse, when I was trying, I was struggling to learn how to pray, um, his writings, now they're written for monastics, but he's so accessible as well, right? There's another one who had a deep impact on my, my spiritual life. Um, one who I'm going to quote several times throughout my talks to, today, St. Yakovos of, of Eva, uh, a new Greek Orthodox saint, I think within the past couple of years. Um, there's one, I only read one quote of his. I noticed he's got a book. Nobody take that book that he wrote that's in the bookstore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy that. But when I was struggling to learn how to integrate my spirituality into my life as a husband and father, I came across a quote of his that, that went like this. Uh, For parents, your prayer ropes and prostrations are your children. For parents, your prayer ropes and your prostrations are your children. I read that at a time in my life when I needed to read that. And his intercession was there for me. And I found that pearl of great price, that nugget of spiritual wisdom that kind of propelled me forward. And so for the saints, and I have a great love and devotion to the saints, they're easy to be friends with because their stories are relatable. Um, the holy angels, as I said, it's, it's a little bit more difficult. And so I thought today, um, you know, exposing us to the theology of the angels, exposing us to the fact that the angels aren't like, you know, those chubby little babies with wings that we see in Western art. Um, they're not like that. They're much more powerful. Um, then again, in our Eastern iconographic tradition, I've seen some icons of the angels that are pretty terrifying with all the eyes and the wings and the fire. And so to, to come to an understanding of who these angelic creatures are, um, I think will help us to fall in love with them more and to integrate them more into our spiritual life. So to begin with, just a general catechesis on the angels, because it's good to always have a refresher. I, like Father Daniel said, I taught high school for five years, so I'm, I was always giving my students a refresher. Um, but I always think it's great to begin at the beginning, and we begin with Scripture in the book of Genesis. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, it's there. They are presented by the author of, of Genesis, traditionally ascribed to Moses. 
those two realities, the heavens and the earth, those are the two realities in that first sentence of the Bible. And throughout salvation history, throughout Scripture, those two realities are always put together. They're meant to be together. And they were never meant to be separated. Which is why when you get to Genesis chapter 3 in the fall, it's so tragic because now there's a gulf between the heavens and the earth. And what we're going to discover today or be reminded of is that the holy angels helped to bridge that gap. Right? But it's in that book of Genesis when we hear that God created the heavens. This is the invisible realm. The heavens are the invisible realm. So the fathers of the church in their theology posited that it was in that creation of the heavens when God created the angels. Right? So this is before the seven days of creation. Among the first beings that the Lord God created were the holy angels. Right? They belong to the heavenly realm. And they belong there not by nature, but by grace. Now let me break that down a little bit. So God belongs to heaven by nature. Right? Because he is eternal. Everything outside of God is created. Right? And for a created being to be part of God's reality, God has to communicate grace. And so the angels are members of the, of the heavenly realm by grace. Now, in my preparations for this talk, that's something I had never thought of before. And that's a beautiful thing because it means that we, as we grow in grace, the angels are growing in grace as well. As we become more conformed to God's will and do it, we grow in grace. As they go about the work of God, they grow in grace as well. We share that with them. That is something that I had never considered before. But it's really quite beautiful. It really is. Now, as members of the heavenly realm, the angels act as emissaries between heaven and earth. They bridge that gap. Now, this is something that, you know, growing up and having your catechism classes, this is probably something that you understood, that the angels are intercessors. We see them in Scripture often in the Old Testament. They do something for God. God gives them a message. He gives them a task. And they are sent. And they deliver that message, or they do that work that God has commanded them to someone on earth. Right? So they act as intercessors. They act as that bridge between heaven and earth. Right? Now, let's think a little bit more about angels as created beings. Now, created beings, so you, me, and the angels, right? we're created in freedom. We have free will. And when we exercise our free will for good, we grow in virtue. When the angels exercise their goodwill, or their, their free will, to do good, which means the will of God, because the highest good is the will of God. And that's what the angels are all about. They are beings whose only consuming task is to do the will of God. Right? Now, the fathers teach us that at some point before the history of the world, so some, some point before we showed up, God revealed his plan to the holy angels. He revealed salvation history to them. 
most specifically what the fathers say he revealed is the incarnation. The fact that God was going to take on human flesh through the Virgin Mary and become man and to become like us. Now, for one particularly beautiful angel named Lucifer, which means bearer of light, this was a bridge too far. He couldn't stomach this because he was full of beauty and light and intelligence, and he participated. When you've created these beautiful angels, and this, of course, was Lucifer's sin of pride, right? And his, his famous, I will not serve. I will not be part of God's plan of salvation history. And this is the fall of the angels. And we read in the book of Revelation that one-third of the angels fell from heaven. Now, that means there's still two-thirds of the angels. The good angels are always more powerful than the, than the demons. So that's, not, that's, that's good news. Right? But God gave to the angels that choice to exercise, to exercise their free will once, to choose for the plan of God or against it. Right? Now, for those who chose to do the will of God, the angels, right? So we've got the angels, the good guys, that's two-thirds. We've got the demons, the bad guys, one-third. Now, for the angels who chose to do God's will, their mission, right? This talk is entitled The Creation and Mission of the Holy Angels. Their mission is to do God's will. And they are permanently configured to do God's will. And yet, they still choose to do God's will in absolute freedom. Right? Let's not kid ourselves. Our culture has a long definition of freedom. Freedom does not mean I get to do what I want. That's not freedom. Freedom means I get to do the good. I get to exercise my will to choose the highest good. That's what authentic human freedom is. Right? So again, when we exercise virtue, we're, that's an exercise of our free will. Right? So the angels, they always choose to do the best good, the highest good which is to do the will of God. And so what we can learn from the angels by the fact that they always obey the will of God is obedience. This is so essential to the Christian life, and I'll talk about this more in my second talk. But the angels are models of obedience. They hear the command of God, and they act on it, and they do it. And so we can learn from the angels how to obey the will of God. That's the goal of the Christian life, is to bring ourselves into conformity with the will of God. And so we can learn from the angels. And when they hear the command of God, they do it immediately. St. John Damascene, a great father and doctor of the church, talks about the angel's swiftness. He uses that term swiftness, that the angels are quick, they're swift. Right? And they're able to do that because they're not constrained by a physical body like we are. You know, when God tells us, oh, it's time to get up and pray. Oh, I'm tired. I have to drag my tired body out of bed and be about my prayers. Right? There's that hesitancy. But the angels don't have that. So St. John Damascene says, the angels appear immediately in whatever place the divine pleasure commands. Okay? They're immediate. When, and when they appear... When they appear, they're confined to that space, right? So they are, 
your guardian angels are with you right now. They're not omnipresent like God is. They're confined to a space. They follow you, which is wonderful, especially when you're driving, that they follow you and offer that protection and sometimes patience. Uh, I took I-5 on the way down. Oh, my goodness. What a parking lot. Um, now, we share. So an, another attribute that we share with the holy angels is intellect. Right. So human beings have intellect and free will. Angels have intellect and free will, but man, they got us beat. They're gonna, they ace every test that the Lord God gives them. Um, they have many, many advantages. I, I wish I had some of these advantages most days, right? So whereas we have to come to knowledge, right, through a long, deliberate process, you have to learn things. I have to learn things, right? The angels don't deliberate, right? When the Lord God shares a piece of knowledge with them, they know. There's no deliberation. They know immediately. Right? They don't need language. The angels don't communicate with spoken word. They communicate their thoughts to one another. Because they're intellect, so they communicate their thoughts in that kind of celestial, angelic language. But one thing that I discovered in my research from St. Maximus the Confessor is that the angels share their thoughts and experiences of God to one another. Another thing I had never considered before. The angels, they're all created as individuals. They all have different encounters and experiences with God. And they share that with one another. And that's how they grow together. They build each other up as a celestial hierarchy and a celestial fellowship by sharing their encounters with God with one another. I never thought about that before. That's really, a, that's awesome, right? It's amazing, and it's especially amazing for, and what dawned on me in coming across that is, that's how we ought to be as church. That's how we ought to be as church, right? So often we, we go about our, our pious prayers and our church attendance, and we keep our head down. The angels never keep their head down. They never keep things to themselves. When they encounter the Lord God, they can't help but share it with their, their fellow angels. I wish we were more like that, sharing that good news, those encounters of, of God that we've had, those graces that we've experienced. I wish we would do more sharing of that. Um, the angels do that, and that's how they grow in grace that's how they build up the angelic fraternity that they have, right? That's how they grow in charity. St. John Climacus, um, the author of The Ladder of Divine Ascent, says, Love has no boundary, and both in the present and in the future age, we will never cease to progress in it as we add light to light. Even the angels make progress, and indeed they add glory to glory, knowledge to knowledge. Awesome. Amazing, the fact that the angels grow in their relationship with one another and their relationship to God is something I had never considered before. And it certainly made the angels more tangible to me. So, so far we've looked at some of the attributes of the holy angels, their creation by God, their role as intercessors, their example to us as obedient creatures who do the will of God. Now I want to look a little bit closer at the mission of the angels and how they interact with us on our earthly pilgrimage.
first I want to talk about the guardian angels, right? Probably the most common class of angels that we know. We all know from the time we're babes that we have a guardian angel. But I love this story from St. Jacobus of Eva. He tells this story about uh, when he had to go to the hospital uh, for medical treatment. And it's actually the story of the doctor that treated him. And I think it's a very apt catechesis on the holy angels. So this is an account from St. Jacobus' doctor. He said to me, I do not know you. This is the first time that I meet you. But I can see your guardian angel standing beside you. That which he said literally shook me up. I do not say this out of pride, he then added. All human beings have guardian angels, and I now see your guardian angel. Be very careful that you never act in such a way that you chase your guardian angel from your presence. I get chills every time I think of it. Every, th every time I think of what he said to me when he, I met him for the first time. Elder Yakovos finished his statement by saying, That angel has been assigned to you from the day of your baptism. From the day of your baptism he accompanies you and he should never leave your side. It is he who will finally take your soul into his hands and will guide it until the day of the great judgment. While guiding you to the judgment, the demons will attempt to badmouth your acts in life. They will say to the angel, he did this evil deed and he did that sin. The guardian angel will defend your soul by responding that he did also this good act and this good deed. He is your lawyer and will aggressively defend you. Therefore, be careful that you never distance yourself from him. I saw that he was close to you. From that very moment, I never forgot that next to me, I am being escorted in my life by my personal guardian angel. This is a great message of joy for all of those who have been baptized as Orthodox Christians. Such a beautiful and accessible catechesis of the role of the guardian angels. That great gift you've been given in your holy baptism that we ought to keep our holy angel close to us and not drive him away by sin, right? This is something that I also didn't consider, that when I act poorly, when I don't conform myself to the will of God, my guardian angel distances himself. When I learned that, it made me sad because we're engaged in a great battle. I'll get more into this in my second talk. But think of soldiers on the battlefield. When you fight, you fight as a group. You fight together. You fight side by side. And that's how you are defended. When soldiers get separated in the field, that's dangerous business. And so we ought to never distance ourselves from our guardian angels by our sins. Right? They are our comrades, our guardian, our fellow soldiers on the battlefield. Um, that's a powerful, powerful image. Another powerful image is the image of the angels as heralds, that those who bring tidings of good news. And of course, we know this in our tradition from the feasts of the Annunciation and the Holy Nativity. We see the angels as heralds. The archangel Gabriel at the Annunciation, 
Our churches have him on the holy doors with the blessed Theotokos, announcing the good news of the Incarnation. Now, it's one of my favorite icons, and it's one of my favorite feasts, the Feast of the Holy Nativity. Let's look a little bit at Luke's Gospel, at that account of the Annunciation. This is from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came, with her, and he came to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. You will be great and called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I know not man? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born of you will be called Holy, the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month of her who is called barren, for nothing shall be impossible to God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. This is such a rich and beautiful passage of Scripture, the Annunciation. When we read, and we learn about the holy angels from this passage. A couple of things. First, Luke emphasizes that Gabriel was sent. The angels never act on their own volition. They only do what God asks them to do. Gabriel's greeting, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you, is not Gabriel's own greeting. It's God's greeting. We say in our Akathist hymn, at the magnificent, uh, magnificence of your virginity and your exceedingly splendorous purity, Gabriel stood in amazement and cried out to you, O Theotokos, what praise may I offer you that is worthy of your beauty? By what name shall I call you? I am lost, I am bewildered, but I shall greet you as I was commanded to do. Hail, hail, O full of grace. So even in their missions, the holy angels do only what God commands them to do, no more, no less. Like I said earlier, they're a model of obedience. Mary's perplexity is not the result of any lack of willingness on her part because she's full of grace, right? And it's also not an obstacle to Gabriel's mission. In fact, Gabriel's explanation, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Assist Mary in her fiat. Let it be done, done to me according to your word. Gabriel helps Mary, assists her in saying yes to God's plan. Finally, Mary gives her answer. Be it done unto me according to your word. And Gabriel symbolically ascends back to heaven to deliver Mary's answer to the throne of God. That last point is a very important point liturgically. Our angels carry our offerings to God. They do it every divine liturgy. More on that in my third talk. But it's a beautiful ministry of 
the angels. Now, we'll have an occasion to discuss the angels in liturgy, like I said, at length in my third talk. But one thing as I conclude, especially in regard to this pilgrimage, I want to remind everyone the fact that the angels pray with us. The angels pray with us. They're praying with us right now. Right? This is important because we forget. Right? We, f we forget. I forget. Right? When we're gathered together as church, the angels are there with us, ministering invisibly and uniting their own prayers to us. You know, as Byzantine Catholics, because we are such a small church as the Eastern churches, we can become discouraged. I'm not discouraged today because there are over 300 people here. I, I have no discouragement today. But when we go back home to our small parishes, sometimes we can say, ah, oh, not many people showed up for Divine Liturgy on Sunday. But the angels are there and they're countless. Myriads and myriads of angels, tens of thousands. They're there with us. Anytime two or three are gathered, there is Christ. And where Christ is, there are countless angels. So no matter how small our church is, right, it only looks small. We, our numbers are good because we have the holy angels. They are there. They are praying with us. They are offering liturgy with us. And that is a beautiful, beautiful reminder. And with that, the church can gather together and offer the sacrifice of praise. Right? We do that at every divine liturgy. And there's hope there. There's hope for the transfiguration of the world because the angels are on our side. Right? And when we gather at divine liturgy, right, we're transformed and that transformation flows outside the walls of the church. And every time I hear that hymn, let us set aside all, all earthly cares because the king of all is coming escorted by angelic hosts. That fills me with so much hope. That the angels are there with Christ. And with Christ and the angels, we can do anything. Anything. So we've walked through a bit of a, a basic catechesis on the angels. And hopefully, I've made them a bit more tangible to you. So it's a little bit easier to integrate them into your spiritual life. Though unseen to us, the work of the angels is powerful in a couple of different ways. Number one, they walk with us as we together grow in virtue. We grow in virtue, they grow in virtue. They protect us as we fight against the enemy. The angels protect. Three, they help us to recognize and respond to God's will. Just like Gabriel with the blessed Theotokos. And fourth, they carry our prayers back to God. They take our petitions, our prayers, our sacrifice, our liturgy to the, the all, God's altar in heaven. The angels are truly powerful intercessors. They are our heavenly friend. They are our, our, our comrades on the battlefield of the soul. So let's work today at recognizing the presence of the angels in our midst. And I end with a quote by St. John Climacus. But in the presence of, the, in the presence of an angel, the soul of the humble is filled with joy. Therefore, when we recognize the presence from the effect, let us quickly hasten in prayer, for our good guardian has come to pray with us.
Do we recognize the presence of the holy angels in our midst? Do we recognize their presence right now on this holy pilgrimage? Do we doubt their presence? I hope not. Christ is in our midst right now, and where Christ is, there are his holy angels. And as we continue today to invoke their intercession, let us foster in our hearts an ever-growing love and devotion to the holy angels. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to God.